Hello, hello, hello. This is Dr. I, and I am looking through the window at a beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I am grateful to be here today with my colleague, Dr. Joe, and our sound engineer, Pastor Wayne, and it is a beautiful day. But before we get into the show, I would like to tell you all about a blessing that I'm very proud of. And Dr. Joe doesn't know I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Several years ago, I saw her walking through Franklin University and she asked me if I would like to teach with her or for her. And I was very excited about that offer. I was there for a meeting or something. And from that overture, we became very, very close. Not just colleagues, but today we are enjoying a relationship as sorority sisters as sisters of the coalition of 100 black women central ohio chapter we attend the same church and we are also mothers of sons and i don't think you could share anything more than that as a baby boomer at this point um and i am just grateful that she is here with me on the window which is another blessing and I have something to give to her that I would like for her to read on the radio there it is well if our audience hears silence that is me being speechless and those of you who know me personally know I am rarely speechless I am humbled and honored you hear an envelope tearing this is a total surprise to me it has a beautiful beautiful okay i'm going to start weeping it has a beautiful image of two sister girlfriends saying i love our friendship and it says joanna i hope you know the difference you make in my life talking with you always makes my day so thanks for being such a special person and good friend sign god bless you love iris you know what i'm going to do I'm going to share with our whole audience that love. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask that everybody just take some time to reach out to someone. I can't tell you how much this means to me to have this surprise. And so Mm -hmm. everyone, please just surprise someone today and more than one someone and just tell them what they mean to you. They may or may not know that already, but please let them know that. This is wonderful. Thank you. And I'm going to just pass the love around this room because our sound engineer, Pastor Wayne Dandridge, has a birthday coming up this week. And so he's here he's with us every a, a, weekend. He's going to be 100, right? Yeah. Uh, is he only 100? I thought he was 100. Anyway, we're real proud of our extended lifespan. And so, oh, he's grabbing Don't the mic. Don't you now. all forget I control <laughs> the mics, okay? Don't forget. Um, it's been a rough couple years for us. <laughs> but we've, we've hung in there. And we have accomplished um, a year's worth of shows in spite of a a number of challenges uh, in the environment and in our home lives. And um, to have a person that knows you, that, that you don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not, uh, is a blessing. 
And for me, it was a blessing to know that I could be who I am, even if it was different last week. I could be who I am with Dr. Joe, and I'm grateful. Thank you, Dr. I. And if anyone is interested in seeing the fruits of our labor, which we hope you are, you can go to our website, thewindownow.com, and see how not only have we blessed each other, that's not just been one way, but also we've had fabulous guests over the past year. And our show wouldn't be what it is without the experts that come to us and talk to us about complex matters and just break it down so that you can reflect along with us in our audience. So thank you. What a great way to start the show. I just feel all squiggly. <laughs> and we'll, we'll dive into our topic for today, which is very complex. And as always, mm-hmm. we are happy to have a subject matter expert. And we had hope to bring you as we promoted two subject matter experts, but I'll let Dr. I take it from here. Yes, I had a commitment from a woman from Ohio Right to Life up until I think it was Friday um, to come on the show and talk about their principles and mission and on down the line. And Right, and Friday means, as we're recording live on a Saturday, for those of you listening after the fact, that means less than 24 hours before right. the show. Right, and um, I was not able, or we were not able to replace that uh, voice, but um, what we're going to do uh, to, I guess, kind of uh, imitate what you might hear from the Right to Life people is I printed off their website and it has the mission and uh, a, a lot of information about uh, their principles. And so I'm going to try to imitate that voice as much as I can so you know what they probably would have said had they not canceled. So a bit of context. So as we speak on the show today, we are... Um, we are as surprised as anyone else by the news that there was a leak of a supposed draft of a um, of a, a finding, a ruling, if you will, by the United States Supreme Court that if, in fact, it holds to be true, if it is, in fact, their ruling, it would, and we'll let our subject matter experts speak more precisely to this, but it would overturn Roe versus Wade. About six months ago on our show, we... We had um, a segment called Abortion is Back in the News Again, and at that time we had a speaker from Planned Parenthood of Ohio, and we reached out again to them since abortion really is in the news now, and their response was that they would really love to be with us today, but as we speak, exactly at the moment we're taping this, there are rallies all over the state of Ohio, where we broadcast from, as well as across the country. And so we had promoted this week that we would bring both sides of the abortion debate, that we would try to withhold as co-hosts our own thoughts and opinions because we wanted to be informed as we wanted our listeners to be informed. So Planned Parenthood responded that they could not be here today because they're out advocating, but they had a statement that I'll read through the show. We are very honored that someone from Pro-Choice Ohio took time out from their very busy rally schedule today um, to be here with us. But as Dr. I said, 
our speaker from the Right to Life organization that we approached had committed to be here all week and then um, prior to the show due to what they explained or didn't explain as unforeseen circumstances they will not be here. Dr. I has graciously agreed as she said to be sure that to the extent that we can and we don't pretend to be able to speak for either side as co-host but to the extent that we can we will bring forward the view of the Right to Life organization and I will confess I voted no to that because on the window we want to have the facts from either side and so if they had an opportunity to talk to our guests um, and to our readers our listeners and present their point of view and chose not to do so I think we're poor substitutes to do that but I also think we somewhat turn it to their PR people so Dr. I is gracious enough I won't go on she's gracious enough to the as best we can from their website be sure that perspective is presented. If there is anyone in our listening audience who has questions for either side or who does have right to life views and would like to make that viewpoint known, we encourage you, as we always do, to send us a message during the show at our Gmail account. And here's the address. It's the window feedback at gmail.com. The window feedback at gmail.com. I'll be monitoring that throughout our show. So again, if you have any questions on this very complex issue, or if you have right to life beliefs that you would like to have expressed other than the surrogate job that Dr. I and I will do on this show, please let us hear from you. Great, great. We are delighted to have a representative from Pro Choice Ohio, and her name is Kelly. L. Copeland, and um, she has served as the executive director of Pro-Choice since 2002. Uh, in her fight to protect reproductive freedom in Ohio, she's appeared on every Ohio media outlet, including the New York Times, Washington Post, U.S. Today, USA Today, and um, many others. She has a degree from University of Akron, and she's worked for AFL-CIO, Clinton Gore 96 and the Michigan Democratic Party coordinated campaign. Um, she has appointments at the U.S. Department of Education, the Summit County Board of Elections, and the city of Talmadge. She's a member of First Grace United Church of Christ in Akron, Ohio. We are so pleased that you took time out of your busy schedule to be with us today, Kelly. Are you there? Yes, I am, and it's such an honor to be with both of you today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and um, we're going to jump right into it. Um, we've got some questions that I think will kind of open up this uh, this topic, and uh, as uh, my uh, co-host, Sister Joanna, Sister Dr. J, Dr. Joe, excuse me, Dr. Joe said, I'm going to play the opposite role as best I can to represent the attitudes and views of the uh, pro-life organization. Um, and I will say that it's interesting to me that the leadership of the pro-life organization are two men. So with that, I will. Um, Kelly, again, thank you for being here today. So tell us, I gave a very cursory overview of what's going on now as we're speaking here in the spring of 2022. Please tell us where we stand with abortion rights throughout the country in the state of Ohio. Yes. Um, well, you know, as you mentioned, we had um, a leak, um, a really very unprecedented event 
from the U.S. Supreme Court that indicates that there are at least five justices on the court who, at least according to the draft, and it's just a draft, appear to be willing to overturn the Supreme Court decision Roe versus Wade. Um, that decision dates back to 1973, and it was the decision that basically legalized abortion across the country. It recognized that there is a constitutional right to bodily autonomy and privacy that includes the right to an abortion. Um, so we don't yet know if that's going to be the final decision. Um, the final decision could come out at any time, um, could come out as early as next week. Typically, the U.S. Supreme Court reserves announcements of their more controversial decisions to the end of their term, which would be in late June, but it could happen at any time. Also, when the decision does come out, it could look very different from the draft decision we've seen. Um, as I said, the, a leak of this nature is highly unorthodox. It's just something that typically does not happen, and so, you know, even the most seasoned court watchers um, really can't predict um, what this means. We don't know who was behind the leak or what the purpose of that was, what their motives were. But what we do know is that it signals what we have feared as advocates for abortion rights for a very long time, which is that we could be on the cusp in many states across the country, including Ohio, of um, losing access to abortion care. In the state of Ohio, oh, since 2011, um, we have had over 30 restrictions on everything from family planning to abortion enacted by the legislature and um, by previous governor, John Kasich, and now current governor, Mike DeWine. Um, one of those includes a six-week ban on abortion, which has been held up in the federal courts on appeal because it would have violated Roe versus Wade. So if this decision comes out as the draft has been, that's going to create a um, situation where that, that six-week ban could be allowed to go into effect, which would mean that abortion could be banned in Ohio very quickly um, at a point in pregnancy before many people realize they're pregnant, which would have devastating impact on, on people um, all across Ohio. So, Kelly, then help us understand then the state of the law as we speak. If, in fact, Roe versus Wade, as of today, is still the law based on what the U.S. Supreme Court said decades ago, how is it that states can or believe they can pass legislation to restrict that? Please help us understand that. Right. So, um, under Roe, it basically said that, you know, uh, women have you know have the right to abortion um, pretty much unfettered through the first trimester and then you know with you know some regulations throughout the second um, in the 90s there was another case um, called Casey versus Planned Parenthood where they established another kind of criteria from the Supreme Court that was called an undue burden and it said that states could enact restrictions so long as they weren't what the Supreme Court was calling an undue burden. 
that really ushered in a lot of the kind of restrictions we've seen in Ohio, things like a 24-hour waiting period, which require um, people in Ohio to visit the clinic twice. Once um, to get um, what state mandated and what we argue is very biased counseling um, to get um, ultrasounds um, that may not be medically necessary. You know, many, many uh, regulations like that that are are in, enacted by anti-choice organizations and politicians um, that really create barriers, barrier after barrier for people who are trying to access abortion care. Um, and sometimes those barriers are so great, people cannot access care. So as, as we're on the verge of potentially losing whatever protections Roe versus Wade has provided, I think it's really important for your listeners to know that for many people, Roe really doesn't exist now because they live in a place that's not close to a clinic, um, because they can't get past all of the regulations. Um, there are federal and state regulations that prohibit um, certain kinds of insurance from covering abortion care, so people may not be able to pay for that care. They may not be able to get off work and travel long distances to get child care. Um, 60% of the people who have abortions in Ohio already have children, um, so, you know, when you look at these restrictions, uh, for many people, Roe has never been sufficient. Um, in the movement, we always say it was the floor, it was never the ceiling. Um, so as we look at whether or not Roe will remain the law of the land, um, we also have to be really cognizant that that law did not provide enough protections for people who are most at risk, who have the most barriers to care, to get the care that they needed now. Um, and that's something that we've been working very hard on. So when a woman has an unwanted pregnancy, she has options. And yes. among those options right now, with the types of limitations you just described, is a safe and legal abortion. And you can comment on that term if you'd like, but who does your organization believe has the right to determine which one of these options is best for that woman? Um, the person who's pregnant, the woman. And, you know, and I want to be clear, um, most people who, who face pregnancy are, are women, but there are also trans and non-binary people who face unintended pregnancies. Um, and oftentimes those people have incredible barriers to care um, because of their relationship with the healthcare community. Um, so I wanna make sure that as we're talking about people who need abortion care, we're recognizing that it's women and trans and non-binary people who really depend on this care. And you know, regardless, we feel that those are the people who should make the decision. And, and I think your question is, that question it really gets to the heart of the issue. Um, it's about who should decide. Should it be the, and, and that was also the central question in Roe versus Wade, and I think it's the central question for us as um, an organization, and I, and I think for, for, you know, when we think about what the government involvement should be, is in a free society, when we think about human rights, 
who should be the ones making that decision? Should that be something that's mandated by the government or should that be something that the individual should be able to make that decision on? We feel like it is a basic and fundamental human right that the person who's experiencing the pregnancy is the one and the only one who has the authority to make that decision. Now that person can consult whoever they wish. They can consult their medical professional, their clergy person, their family. I mean, gosh, I don't know where they'd want to, but they could they could consult their state representative if they want to. Um, but it really ultimately has to be their decision. We think that that's essential. Kelly, now I'm going to jump in here. This is Dr. I, and I'm going to, I'm going to um, read the mission of the Ohio yeah. Right to Life Organization. The mission, okay. the mission of Ohio Right to Life is to promote and defend the right to life of all innocent human beings from the time of fertilization until natural natural death. Does that make sense? We're going to go to break. Hold okay. that thought. All right. <laughs> we'll be back on the window talking about Roe versus Wade and abortion rights in the United States. You never turn away from the broken hearted or the ones who stray from your love. We're back and we're talking to Kelly. Um, let me see, I've forgotten your last name. What's your last name? I'm sorry. Copeland. <laughs> Kelly Copeland. That's what happens yes. when you get old. You can't remember things. <laughs> Kelly Copeland. Thank you. Um, and you were responding to the um, the statement that Dr. Joe and I were talking about of, of uh, the who's in charge of making those decisions. And right. I, yeah. You read the mission statement of higher right to life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while we were in break, you know, and I've heard it before and I was thinking about it and. You know, I I think two things. Um, one, um, how a person, what a person's individual values are, and when they decide um, that life begins, that's an individual decision. We we don't, we would never tell a person what they should or shouldn't believe. On that, it's when you mandate that for everyone else that I think there's a problem, um, because there is no universally agreed upon view on that. Um, theologians, scientists, you know, regular people have um, wrestled with that and um, come to different conclusions. Uh, so I think there's that. But but the, I think where I really object um, to to the mission statement on that is that none of the policies that they pursue, in my view, actually honor that. They don't support paid family leave. They don't support programs that actually help people who want to have more children or want to welcome a child into their lives. Um, You know, they support fake clinics like crisis pregnancy centers under the auspice that they provide diapers to families in need. But I, I, I promise you there is not a less effective way to provide diapers to people. I mean, we could, they take that money out of TANF dollars that is supposed to be for temporary assistance for needy families and then give it to these these centers that are all administrative costs instead of just actually putting the money towards diapers. Um, 
WIC and SNAP benefits don't cover diapers. They don't support, you know, they've never lifted a finger on that. So, you know, if we're really talking about um, supporting people um, through their pregnancies, there's so many things that we could be doing, so many things that we have supported over the years that they have failed to support. So, you know, I, I think they may say things that sound nice, but in the end, I think their mission statement is really about controlling people um, and imposing their set of values on everyone else rather than providing people with the resources they need to make their own decisions and to, to live their lives according to their own values. So to those of you who may just be tuning in, we did invite a Right to Life organization to be here to speak for themselves. Um, they accepted and then declined. If anyone listening would like to send us a message during the show at our Gmail address, the window feedback at gmail.com, please feel free to do that. If, in fact, our attempt to be surrogates in stating the right to life approach and beliefs um, is not sufficient in your view, please feel free to contact us. So, Kelly, based on, on what you just said, we have heard people say that the concept of right to life is somewhat of a misnomer if support for a child does not exist throughout their life. And I want to be clear on the, the language of both sides, if you will. So you have the right to lifers, and then you represent, if I'm, if I'm phrasing it correctly, pro-choice. Does that mean that everyone who is pro-choice is pro-abortion? I'm, I'm pro-abortion. Um, I can't speak for everyone else. But, well, the reason I am pro-abortion that is that I think that it is amazing and important that if a person cannot continue a pregnancy, does not want to continue a pregnancy, that they don't have to. Does that mean that I think I should tell someone what their decision should be regarding an abortion? Absolutely not. I believe that is their choice. Um, you know, so I, I don't bristle at the at being called pro-abortion, um, and I don't I don't think anyone else should. I think when when people say that they they intend to imply that we're trying to say that people should have abortions in certain circumstances. We're saying that you know if you know if you're not married or if you know you are struggling to make ends meet or whatever your circumstances is that we believe that you should have an abortion. That's not the case at all for our organization. Um, we believe that you should make your own decision and that you should have the resources that, is, that support whatever decision you make and that it should not be stigmatized. So your reproductive health care decisions should not be stigmatized, not by anybody. So there are people who could not choose abortion for themselves but still be pro choice in that of course. they believe it's others choice to make their own decisions of course so you, you talk about reproductive health if we could dive into that for, for mm -hmm. just a bit um, so if someone has been raped in the case mm -hmm. of rape or incest what does the law currently say about their abortion rights and if if Roe versus Wade is overturned and if state laws begin to rule what would happen in those situations? Well, currently in the state of Ohio, abortion is legal 
um, up till about uh, 21 weeks, um, regardless of the reason. However, uh, when we talked about that six-week ban that was passed, that did not include exceptions for um, survivors of rape or incest. So if that would go into effect, um, that would not be an option for people who have gone through um, a rape or an incest and become pregnant. Um, and in fact, there was there's another bill pending in the state house called a trigger ban. And the reason they call it that is that if it passed, it would go automatically go into effect if the Supreme Court issued a, a decision that allowed it to go into effect, that basically allowed states to outlaw abortion. And it does not include an exception even for the health of the pregnant person or for the life of the pregnant person. There are no exceptions. And when the sponsor of the bill, um, State Representative Jean Schmidt, um, some people might remember her from when she was in Congress, um, when she was asked a question very similar to what you asked um, about what would happen even to the youngest survivors of rape or incest, um, and they got pregnant, she responded that, well, that would be an opportunity. An opportunity. To... The callousness to, to, bring it, to bring a child into the world. Um, it's the callousness of that. Um, to say that someone who had been violated, who had had their agency taken away from them, and that once again, the state was going to say, nope, you have to continue this pregnancy no matter what. You do not have the legal right to take back control of what's happening to your body. The callousness of that answer shocked people across Ohio and across the country, and rightfully so. I mean, that is when people talk, our opponents talk about how precious life is. What are they saying to a survivor? When they say, no, you cannot make that decision. Does that say that you're precious, that you're important? No, it does not. Kelly, this is Dr. I, and I'm going to read from the Ohio Right to Life document about mm -hmm. um, what they believe. Number one, using education and advocacy to encourage respect for human life and human dignity in the state of Ohio. Number two, helping to eliminate such immoral practices as abortion and infanticide. That's infant murder. Uh, number three, standing against all forms of euthanasia and assisted suicide. Four, educating the public about the dangers of embryo destructive research and human cloning and promoting life-affirming alternatives. And five, investigating new areas of biomedical technology to evaluate ways in which they may promote or perhaps threaten human flourishing and human dignity. How do you respond to all of that? <laughs> uh, well, that's a lot. It um, is. You know... You know, my organization does not um, work on end-of-life issues, um, but I, I think that I think there's a lot there that 
um, if you look at it in its totality, it, it, it sounds to me like we know better. We think that we're going to make better decisions than you. And so we're going to make them for you. Um, that's what I hear when I hear all of that. Um, we know better than medical professionals. We know better than, you know, rape survivors. We know better than people who are pregnant. And, you know, it has such a, a paternalistic tone to my ear when I hear that. Instead of saying, um, wow, we're, we're here to serve. Um, we're here to provide people with resources. We're here to make sure that people have the resources they need. I, I have never seen them advocate for anything that, that helps people have the resources they need um, for, their, for their children or their families. I've never, they, they claim not to have a position on family planning. Um, they oppose comprehensive sex education all the ways that we can equip people to make the best decisions for themselves. They talk about educating people. Educating people about what? Certainly not about how their bodies work. Certainly not about, um, how, you know, how to um, prevent sexually transmitted infections or how to prevent um, pregnancy if that's not something that they're ready for. They certainly don't support that. So I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to... Uh, that mission statement with much more than skepticism. Okay, so so let's summarize some of this then as we prepare to go to another break. So we, we've talked about um, choice and whose right it is, if you will, to make informed decisions about pregnancy. We've touched briefly on issues of equity, but I want to come back to that in terms of yeah. male-female equity. If, if, a, if a woman or a girl is raped under some views of the laws that exist now or could exist in the future, I don't know what the penalty is for rape in our state or across the country, but for a woman carrying an unwanted pregnancy of a rapist or as a result of incest, that's a life sentence. Um, let's talk a bit about equity in the context of what you just said and resources. So there are those who would say, and this was on our previous show as well, that ending legal abortion doesn't necessarily end abortion, period. That people who are better resourced than others could perhaps get on a plane and even leave the country and get a safe abortion and others could not. Is, is that accurate? What does your organization think about issues of equity? Absolutely. And I think it's one of the reasons why it's so important that abortion remain legal and why it's so important that it remain accessible, why it should be free, um, why there should not be all of these barriers, because it impacts people who are part of underserved communities the, the hardest. Um, and let's be clear about that. That's people who are struggling to make ends meet. Those are people who live in rural communities that don't have um, health care entities um, available to them. Those are often the disabled. Those are often um, uh, transgender and non-binary people. And, of course, people of color, particularly black women. I mean, racism is a public health crisis 
not just in Ohio, but across this country. In Ohio, the racial disparity gap has continued to widen for black infants when we're talking about um, infant mortality. It's 2.8 times more likely that a black infant will die in the state of Ohio than a white infant. Um, You know, when we look at nationally, black and indigenous women are two to three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women. When we talk about access to care, these can be life and death situations, whether or not people can get the care that they need. Um, That's why it's so important. One of the things that I wanted to share with your audience is that there are organizations in Ohio that are helping people who don't have the resources to get the abortion care um, or other reproductive health care that they need. I think a lot of people know about Planned Parenthood, but they may not know about the statewide abortion fund, Women Have Options of Ohio. Um, Their website's womenhaveoptions.org. In Northeast Ohio, there's a clinic called Preterm. Um, Their website's preterm.org. And in Northwest Ohio, there's an abortion fund called the Aggie Fund, which is A-G-G-I-E. F-U-N-D.org. They're all working tirelessly to provide people with the resources they need to get the care, whether it's here in Ohio or if abortion becomes illegal in Ohio to get people to the care outside of Ohio. Because it, human rights should not depend on whether or not you have a credit card. Human rights are for everyone. And it's critically important that as as things transpire, that we remain focused on the people who are going to be most deeply impacted and harmed by these sorts of policies. And I, you know, I just really wanted to make sure that people know that abortion is still legal in Ohio. There are nine clinics, and if people are having trouble accessing care, there are people working day and night to be there for them, to be by their side, and to make sure that they can get that care. So speaking again for our Right to Life friends who chose not to be here today, my understanding is that they sometimes say, well, Jesus, the solution is not to get pregnant in the first place. We're going to go to break again in just a moment. But please um, think about and talk to our audience about preventive measures. You briefly Mm -hmm. talked about reproductive education. You briefly talked about birth control. So when we come back on the window, can we talk about the status of preventive measures to hopefully avoid yeah. unwanted pregnancy? We'll be right back Absolutely. on the window. We're on the window with Kelly Copeland from ProChoiceOhio.org on a weekend when there are rallies across the country in response to a leaked document that appears to suggest that the U.S. Supreme Court is on the verge, perhaps, of overturning Roe versus Wade, which for several decades now has been the law of the land pertaining to abortion rights. Kelly, before the break, we were talking about, and again, we invited someone from the Right to Life movement to be on the show today. They declined. We're trying as best we can to articulate what we understand about their 
position. And it's sometimes said that um, that abortion is used as a form of birth control. And by golly, just don't get pregnant in the first place. And we don't have that type of situation. So if you could help us understand that from the perspective of access to birth control and also how do we teach people about how not to get pregnant if they choose not to do that? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the most important things is age-appropriate, comprehensive sex education. It's important for people, and we just don't have that in our schools in Ohio anymore, and we haven't for a very long time. And the ripple effects of that are tremendous. Not only do people not have information about you know how their bodies work and how pregnancy works and sexually transmitted infections um, but they also um, don't have uh, the language if someone has inappropriately touched them or if something um, someone has um, done something that is uncomfortable for them they don't necessarily have the language or the understanding about that it's one of the most important things that we can do to help protect kids um, from incest and sexual assault um, to be able to understand what's healthy what's not healthy what's appropriate what's not appropriate what consent means um, that's so important but even onto an adult into adult life if if we don't teach comprehensive sex education in school where do they get that I mean I have to tell you I have had lobby visits with legislators and they did not understand how the morning after pill plan B is not the same thing as an abortion because they don't understand how pregnancy works. So you have people coming into positions of power and influence, making decisions about other people's reproductive lives, and they don't even know how pregnancy works. That's how bad it is. So I think, number one, people need access to that information. We, that, that is critical. Um, I think the other thing, and one of the biggest advances, was through the Affordable Care Act when President Obama made sure that that included um, uh, access to, um, without a copay, to all the FDA-approved forms of contraception. Because not every kind of contraception works for every person. Some people are much more sensitive to the hormones that are perhaps in the birth control pill, and maybe an IUD is a better solution for them. Some people, an IUD is just not a solution for them. And so for people to be able to access the kind of contraception that works best for them is super important, and I think that has been a tremendous advance for people. Um, but unfortunately, one of the things that we have seen is that groups like Ohio Right to Life worked to defund Planned Parenthood. And many people across Ohio and across the country depended on Planned Parenthood um, and, you know, the, the reimbursements that they would provide for low-income patients to, to be able to access reproductive health care. So at the same time that you have organizations saying, well, you know, we don't want people to be able to access abortion care, they're, they're fighting for abstinence-only education. They don't want to teach people about contraception, and they're fighting for 
organization against organizations that provide contraception. So, you know, it, it, there really doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, if, it's, if, if their agenda is really about reducing the, the need for abortion, um, everything they do is counter to that. Um, so that's why I'm always so skeptical when they talk about, you know, what their, what their mission statement really is. I really think it's a lot more about controlling other people's morals or their behavior rather than providing them with the information um, and the access that they need to make the best decisions about themselves from a from a healthcare perspective, and that's really what I think is so important. Kelly, I have some bullet points from Ohio Right to Life that address um, your concern. It says, provide pro-life educational materials such as books, videos, pamphlets, and articles for use at churches, schools fairs and other public forums develop and maintain a grassroots network of ohioans who advocate for life issues with their elected state and federal representatives support appropriate legislation that helps protect the right to life of all innocent human beings give life-saving information to women and families faced with a crisis pregnancy or those facing a terminal illness about where to go for help. Assist students of all levels with research on pro-life issues. Publish a quarterly seasonal newsletter to educate uh, Ohio Right to Life membership about current pro-life initiatives and maintain a state-of-the-art website with up-to-date information on pro-life issues and perspectives. How do you respond to that? I mean, I don't hear anything about um, long-term care. Um, I don't hear anything in there about comprehensive sex education. I don't, I don't hear anything specific. What I hear is a dedication to promoting their viewpoint and their propaganda. Um, I don't hear a whole lot of substance. Kelly, we've talked about um, health care implications of abortion. We've talked about the law. We've talked about equity. Let's talk, if we could, a little bit about politics as we prepare to wrap up our conversation with you today. You mentioned Planned Parenthood, and we do have a statement here from Planned Parenthood of Greater Ohio. And once again, to our listeners, we know you're from all over the country. And so when we focus on Ohio, we do so to give you an overview of issues, but please be knowledgeable about what's happening in your city and and in your state. But here's the comment from Planned Parenthood of Greater Ohio. Unfortunately, we're not going to have any of Planned Parenthood staff or supporters available during your taping of this show because they will all be at rallies across the the state. Over 4,000 people are planned to be in attendance, and that's in Ohio. I do have a quote that you can read on the show about the rally. This is attributable to Lauren Blauvelt Copeland, Vice President of Government Affairs and Public Advocacy for Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio. And here's the quote. And everyone, please listen to the political references within this quote. Access to abortion is supported by a majority of Ohioans, period. Today, thousands of supporters across the state are making their voices heard loud and clear that they support the constitutional right to abortion and will not go quietly should the Supreme Court overturn this vital fundamental human right that protects millions of Americans' health and well-being. 
And when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, as we saw in the leaked decision, we are almost certain Ohio's extremist legislators, who gravely misrepresent the will and beliefs of the people due to their illegal gerrymandered maps in which they were elected by, will move to take dangerous steps to ban abortion and erode basic reproductive health care across, I'm sorry, reproductive health care access vital to all persons. But let it be known that the citizens of this great state will continue to fight until we have bodily autonomy for all. So is abortion becoming a politicized issue, and especially by the Supreme Court, which in theory is not a political organization? Um, Yes. And, you know, I think that really started um, back in the... um, 70s and 80s when you had groups like the Christian Coalition and candidates like um, Ronald Reagan who started using that to mobilize conservatives um, to donate to their campaigns and to volunteer for their campaigns. That's really when this became um, so politicized. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, people who depend on access to abortion and other reproductive health care have paid the price for that. Um, but Lauren, Lauren is correct. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that Americans, and, you know, seven to eight um, out of ten Americans believe that people should be able to make their own reproductive health care decisions, that this is not something that the government should be deciding that they should not be overturning Roe. Um, and if they do overturn Roe, there there will be states where abortion will, will remain legal, states like New York, Illinois, California, Washington State, Oregon, places like that. Um, and then there will be states where they will, they will outlaw abortion, um, Texas, um, possibly Ohio, other places. Um, And there are reproductive rights, health, and justice advocates across this country who have been fighting this and who are preparing for for what could happen. And there are plans to make sure that people can access care regardless of the legality, to access care safely, whether that's self-managing abortion in their homes um, with the... um, with access to medications that they may be able to um, purchase online, whether that's getting people to one of those states where abortion remains legal. Um, There are plans to reestablish the legality of abortion in states where that may fall. But I can promise you this, there is no plan to surrender to this tyranny. There is no plan to abandon the people who need abortion care, um, the people who need access to reproductive health care. There are no plans for that. This is a fight that we will fight no matter how long it takes because it's not about politics. It's about people, and it's about fundamental human rights. And so, Kelly, we know that today as we speak, you're taking time out of a day full of rallies. We appreciate that. Can you talk to us about what your organization's plans are for this fight you just referred to? Absolutely. Uh, You know, we are preparing and um, organizing people all across the state um, to train people to become advocates, um, to get involved, to figure out where their place is in the movement ecology. Like, 
Are you someone who wants to get involved in the political side? Are you someone who wants to get involved in making sure people can access care? Are you a lawyer who, you know, maybe wants to defend anybody who might be criminalized for accessing care? You know, we are plugging people into how to get involved. And so we're having trainings. Our next one, we call them Ramp Up for Repro. Um, Our next one's May 25th. And if people are interested, they can go to our website at prochoiceohio.org slash events and sign up. Um, we can help connect people to where they can use their time, talent, and treasure um, to support their values and to be there for, for, for each other as we all face what could be a dark time um, for, for us as a community and for us as a country, but for a time that we know will not last forever because they can't beat us if we don't quit and we're not going to quit. Kelly, can you please repeat your website again? Yes, it's prochoiceohio.org and if you're interested in our training, it's slash events Um, and we would love to connect people to help them find their niche in in how to fight back. Um, against what we really think is just a terrible injustice that could be befalling our nation. We've also read, as you heard, a statement from Planned Parenthood. You can find your local Planned Parenthood offices by just going to the Internet and Googling those, if you will. And also, if you do hold right-to-life perspectives, you can go to the Internet and Google that as well. Kelly, thank you for spending time today educating and informing our audience on what's very, what you're very passionate about, as we can tell. And so thank you for joining us. It's an honor. Dr. I, thank you for agreeing to represent the Right to Life movement that chose not to be here today to answer our questions and inform our listeners, which is always our intent on The Window. You can listen to our past year of shows by going to our website, thewindownow.com. You can continue to send us feedback, which we really appreciate, at our email account, thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, We really appreciate you. Um, Such an honor. um, I'm just glad that you were available and you were willing to come on and talk because uh, this is important. I mean, with a capital I important yes yes so so appreciate the opportunity thank you so much and thank you all for listening um we look forward to talking with you next week on the window and now we're sprinting